Hi everyone, welcome back to my channel. On this video, I'm going to be sharing my top tips on how to be a better landlord. Okay, so my top tip number one is to make sure that you take your rents on the first of the month. Why do we do this? If you take your rents on the first of the month, it means that you only have to reconcile once. Check your bank account, make sure your tenants paid, and when they have, then you can focus your time and your energy on everything else that matters in growing your business. It makes so much sense. Take your rents on standing orders or direct debits, however you choose to take them, but it really just takes all of that effort away and all of that time chasing rents on a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, or Thursday, and a Friday, all the way through the month. So the first of the month, folks, it's a really great tip. Number two, make sure that you've got a suitable maintenance policy. Now, we mentioned this quite a few times on my YouTube channel, and I keep coming back to it. So make sure, firstly, that your maintenance policy isn't you. If you're involved in maintenance, then that means you're gonna be tied up pretty much 24 hours a day. So just do something really simple. And what we suggest you do, grab yourself a burner phone, as we call them, go to Carphone Warehouse, get yourself a phone and give that phone to your maintenance person. How do you find a maintenance person? Well, your maintenance person could be found from your local trade magazine. You could go into Google, you could search and just ask them if they would be prepared to take hold of your phone. And then when the tenant calls for maintenance, they call that phone. And when your engineer, your maintenance person goes on holiday, or if they're off sick, or if they leave, then all you have to do is literally take that phone and give it to somebody else. So you don't have to tell the tenants anything. It's a really simple system and it works really, really well. Number three, make sure that you have a really good quality mattress protector. Now, whether you take deposits or whether you don't take deposits, Make sure that at the beginning of every new tenancy, you supply a really good quality mattress protector to help the mattress from getting stained and soiled. Now, what we do is when we check a tenant in, we have a mattress policy and we tell the tenant that if the mattress is soiled or stained or in any worse condition than it is on the day that they check in, then they will be responsible for replacing the mattress at their cost. So what we do is we go on to um, Argos usually, grab a load of mattress protectors, or you can check out the link online. I'll put some links in the comment section below for all of the things we're recommending today. And they don't cost a lot of money, you know, for the sake of probably 10 pound or so, you can get a great quality mattress protector, put it on at the beginning of the tenancy, and at least then you're doing as much as you can to protect your mattress. Number four, thumb turn locks. Now, these are actually a legal requirement now for licensed HMOs. Um, well, actually, that's not true. Um, thumb turn locks specifically aren't a legal requirement, but the ability to be able to exit the room if in the event of a fire without using a key is a legal requirement. So that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a thumb turn lock, but it does mean that it has to be something like a thumb turn or a Yale lock. Now the problem with Yale locks 
and I've mentioned this again on one of my previous videos, is that your tenants can lock themselves out. As soon as they pull the door to, then the Yale lock will snap shut and it will prevent the tenant from going back into the room from the other side. With thumb turn locks, generally, you would have to lock the door physically from the outside. So you must put thumb turn locks on all of the bedroom doors and on the front door and the back door of the premises to be compliant so that your tenant can exit every single room and have a safe exit out of the property if in the event of a fire without the need for a key. Now you can get thumb turn locks pretty much anywhere these days. I'll put a link in the comments so you can see where we get ours from. They range from anything from £10 upwards. Um, don't go cheap because if you go cheap you're going to have problems. Number five. This is such a popular topic in all of my threads and all of my forums on Facebook is um, key safes, lock boxes. Now, we've always used lock boxes, folks. I would suggest that before you do anything, before you let your first tenant take a tenancy and give them the keys, make sure that you've got lock boxes in and outside of the property. Now, this is really bizarre because literally five minutes ago, somebody just posted in my Facebook group that they're gonna to have to travel for two hours to let somebody in because they've locked themselves out. A lockbox just negates all of this. The lockbox isn't for your tenants specifically, it's for you. But if they do lock themselves out, all you have to do is phone them or they can phone you. You give them the code, they open the lockbox, they're back in the property. It doesn't mean that you have to get in the car and travel two or three hours. Um, it just negates all of that. Now, before you start saying that lockboxes can be broken into, and if you Google them on the internet, it can take three minutes or four minutes to get into them. Folks, burglary is burglary. Whether they kick the back door down, or whether they've got the tenacity to stand there for an hour with an oxyacetylene pack and burn into a lockbox, it's, if they want to get in the property, they will get into the property regardless. So there is a caveat with lockboxes. Now, remember that you have to be insured for your property. So make sure that you've got a police approved lockbox like the one here. And I'm gonna put a link into the comments on where you can get hold of these, but also make sure that your insurance company are happy with the type of lockbox that you're using, okay? Now, even if you have a master key system, no matter what you have, have a lockbox inside and outside the premises. The one for the outside obviously is for the main doors and one for the inside should be for each individual room. You will thank me for years to come if you do go ahead and install lock boxes. Okay, number six, always Google search your tenant prospect. This is huge. Now, if I'd have known this many, many years ago before I started taking tenants on, I would have saved myself a lot of anguish and a lot of heartache. If you just Google search your tenant, their full name if you have it, and their date of birth, and just check to see what comes back, you will be, or you might be, really surprised because very often tenants don't tell you the truth and if they have got a criminal record, and if it is for something that potentially could put the rest of your housemates at risk, then there's a very good chance it will be listed on Google if it's in the public domain. So use this as part of your due diligence process. Use Google, you can also use Facebook and all of the other social media platforms just to see how your tenant prospect and handles their life and what sort of lifestyle that they lead at the moment. So always Google your tenant. Number seven, 
always have a cleaner in your HMO property. Now, it's a great idea if you can as well to ask your cleaner to wash up because HMO properties are always going to be a problem when it comes to cleaning. Now, no matter how much um, rotors that you put in place and if you ask your tenants to clean on certain days or if you give it the responsibility of the tenants, I can guarantee that it will go wrong because maybe Monday room one is supposed to do the washing up and they don't do it. So therefore on Tuesday room two doesn't do it either and so on. So what we do is we employ a cleaner and the cleaner comes into the property at least once a fortnight and they go through everything and they wash up and they do as much as they can possibly do in the time that they're allocated and that means that at least every two weeks the property is brought back to default and even if the tenants do complain then we can say well it's okay because the cleaner will be there in two days everything will be back to normal so please always have a cleaner number eight watch your utility consumption. Now this is really big because if you don't do this, then you'll find that the utility consumption will run away with you. How do you do it? Well, there are lots of devices that are on the market that are lawful that give the tenant full control over the heating system, but it also means that you can control it as much as you can uh, remotely, such as thermostats called Timostat. Timostat will count down from four hours and then as soon as it hits the fourth hour then it will switch the heating off and that's great if all of your tenants are out working all day so it means that the heating isn't going to be left on. You can also um, set the temperature to a maximum of 21 degrees and a minimum of 18 degrees so what happens is when the Timostat times out the property will remain at 18 degrees, it won't go any colder. Now, Timostat doesn't have an app, but there are uh, products like Inspire and Nest and Hive and all of those things, and they have a remote app which will allow you to control the temperature of the property remotely. But remember, you can't take away the access for the tenants to control the heating in the house, but what you can do is regulate the temperature. And if you fear that the temperature is going over 21 degrees then you can bring it back down in line to what your house standards are so make sure that you do as much as you can to control the heating because in my experience hmos you can turn up at the property and you'll find that all the windows are open and the house is about 30 degrees and your bills can really run away with you so research the market go into my facebook group see what people are recommending um, and what they're using personally we have timostat throughout the whole of our portfolio and we saw probably a reduction of 30 percent or more within the first six months uh, in our gas consumption now, if you have all electric HMOs, and we do have some of those as well, there's a very similar product that you can get from Screwfix that will time down the electric heaters as well in a very similar manner. Number nine, so make sure that you join a professional body. So if you're an agent or if you're a property manager, then you should be joining either the Property Redress Scheme, which is the PRS, or the Property Ombudsman. And that's a governing body which will allow the tenant to complain against you should they feel that you're not meeting their requirements. And then the PRS or the 
uh, property ombudsman will get involved, they will mediate, and if they think that you are trading unlawfully for whatever reason, then you could be struck off. And if you're struck off, then that means, unfortunately, your company can't trade as an agent moving forwards. But you must do this if you're an agent. Now, if you're managing your own property, then actually there is no legal requirement to do this. But for the sake of £100 a year, it's a professional body, it's belt and braces, it's better to have and not need, I suggest you do it anyway. So that's the property readdress scheme or the property on Number 10, the dreaded words GDPR. GDPR, oh my goodness, what does it mean? You must make sure that if you're collating data and if you're collecting data from any source and you're storing it, then you have to be registered for data protection. So get yourself along to the ICO.gov website, and that's the Information Commissioner's Office. And they will guide you through a small, short questionnaire and they will tell you whether you need to register or not. It's £45. Once you've done it, you're registered for data protection and provided that you're compliant in the way that you store your data, then it's all good. And again, it's better to have and not need. And again, belt and braces. If you think you don't need it, get it anyway. It's £45 and then you can sleep safely at night. Number 11. Make sure you get the correct insurance policy. Now check out my video on insurance when I interviewed Pinder from Falcon Insurance. And Pinder's a specialist in HMO and property insurance. But it's something that we always, or not always, but most people will actually, won't pay enough attention to, to make sure that you've got the correct cover. Is it the correct cover for the correct product? Is it um, the correct product that's got the correct amount of accidental damage or malicious damage cover because very often the default for property insurance for malicious damage might only be up to £5,000. It might not be for the whole price of the property should one of your tenants burn it down. So make sure that you're protecting your assets. So go back to your insurance policy, check it out, make sure it's sufficient for what you've got and don't skimp on price. If it's a case of you have to pay an extra £100 a year to make sure you're covered, then just pay that £100. It's better to make sure your asset is covered and fully protected rather than having to try and reverse engineer it if your property burns down. Number 12, inspections. How often do you inspect your property? Now sometimes people will say never, sometimes people will do it every month. Now there is no right or wrong and there is no legal requirement for you to go into your tenant's rooms. Now the first thing we need to consider here is the tenants have got the right to peaceful enjoyment of the property. Um, but we do need to make sure that they are abiding with our house rules and they're not breaching our HMO license. So we need to make sure that um, they're not burning candles, that we need to make sure they're not smoking in their rooms, they haven't got guests staying over the required um, standards that your council will set. And no electric heaters, no pets. So in order to find all of that out, we will have to do a regular inspection. So how regular do you need to do that? Well, that's up to you. I would say that unless you suspect a problem, then once every six months for the, the rooms, the bedrooms, would be more than compliant for you and for your business. The, um, the communal rooms, well, that's quite different because you've probably got cleaners and maintenance staff going in there to check the alarms and what have you. So they're probably going to be inspected about every two weeks anyway. But the bedrooms, I suggest every six months. 
Number 13. Oh, this is probably the biggest one. Get the best Wi-Fi connection that you can possibly get and give yourself at least six weeks to get this installed into your property if it's a new development because very often things will go wrong and very often they will have to come back out and when they do come back out, they haven't got the right part. So they have to go back again, then you have to rebook it, and it can go on for quite a long time. And I'll tell you that tenants will sit on a broken sofa and they'll sleep on the floor if their bed's broken for six weeks before they'll tell you. But if the Wi-Fi goes down, they'll be on the phone immediately. I can guarantee that. So try and get the best Wi-Fi connection, the fastest speed that you can get, and try and get it booked in as early as possible. Number 14. Bin bags, refuse sacks. Now, when we started investing, we used to have a little house kitty and we asked our tenants to put a pound a week into the house kitty and that would enable them to buy things like washing up liquid and bin bags and all of the bits and bobs, you know, like um, dishcloths and tea towels and things. Now, that is great when it first starts in a brand new house and then people stop putting in and then room two don't put in. So room three, take their money back out and it just turns into carnage. So what we found was that the tenants weren't buying bin bags. And because they weren't buying bin bags, they were still filling up the bins, but then there was nowhere to put them. So the bins weren't getting collected and it just started to cause a huge problem. So for the sake of, I don't know, maybe three pound a roll, ask your cleaner to take a roll of bin bags every time they clean the property. Now, the minute we did this, it stopped all of those problems. It stopped them completely. And we've never had a complaint in about six years about bin bags. So make sure you supply the bin bags. Number 15, make sure that you've got somewhere suitable for tenants to be able to pin notes for each other or for them to leave notes to your cleaner or for your cleaner to leave notes for your tenants or even you. So get yourself a really nice notice board, nothing too clinical, and put it in the hallway. And that just acts for a perfect place for people to be able to exchange messages. Now I do know some investors that actually put blackboards in or they paint the wall with blackboard paint. And that allows the tenants to scribble whatever they like on there, then they can just wipe it clean at the end of the week. But it's a great idea. And you can put your safety certificates on there as well if you want to. Number 16, now we have a house folder. So rather than putting all of our certificates all over the notice board, which may might make the property look a little bit clinical, we have a house folder. And in the house folder, as you'll see here, it's literally just a plastic folder with lots of plastic inserts on the inside where we place all of the certificates, the house policy, all of the gas safety certificates and electric safety certificates, the recycling policy, the PAT testing certificate, the HMO license, and everything that you can think of. Now, what we then do is we put a notice on the fridge door to say all of the house documents are contained in the house pack in the top kitchen drawer. It's a great way of keeping it nice and tidy and all of the required information in one place. Number 17, recycling and general waste. Now the HMO management regulations stipulate that we have to make sure that we are recycling and we've um, got the waste management done properly and we have to tell our tenants sometimes how to do that. All you need to do is get an A4 piece of paper, laminate it with the instructions on what they can recycle, put that one above the recycling bin, then the instructions on what's for general waste and put that 
above the general waist. It really is that simple, but it really will help you with your waist management moving forwards in your HMO. Number 18, it's a great idea to be able to supply cycle storage for your tenant. Now, if you're in an Article 4 area, you will probably have to do this anyway, but it doesn't have to be something that's going to take up loads of space. It could just be a rack, it could be a shed like this one, it could be a purpose-built cycle storage, um, almost like a metal shed that's got a security device on the front of it. Now, if you're doing a new HMO property um, and you are in Article 4, you'll have to supply one of these. If you're not, it's a great idea to supply one anyway. Number 19, be proactive with rent arrears. Don't harass your tenant, but do make sure that you've got a policy in place that you adhere to if in the event your tenant doesn't pay. Whatever your policy is, make sure you follow it and make sure it's completely lawful. What we do is on the first of the month, if the money's not in the bank by 9am, because it should have gone in overnight, the tenant will get a text message. Normally that suffices and the money will be in the bank not long afterwards. If it's not by 12 o'clock, they'll get a, a phone call from the office. And then if we still haven't had it by 5 p.m., they'll get a phone call from me. And if we still haven't had it by the next morning at 9 a.m., they'll receive a letter explaining we're about to conduct a room inspection in 24 hours because we need to know whether the tenant is at the property still. If they are still at the property after inspection, then if they don't contact us and we still haven't received the rent, then we may have to start considering legal action. But whatever your policy is, make sure that you have one, make sure you stick to it, and make sure that you do chase that money because the longer you leave it, the less likely you'll get paid. And number 20, make sure you have a checkout procedure. Even if you don't take deposits, it's really important you check your tenant out, make sure that they've left the room in a suitable condition, make sure there's no damage to the furniture, the carpets and the mattress, and make sure they hand their keys over. This is your last opportunity to secure any damage funds from the deposit if you do take it and to invoice your tenant for any damage if you don't. That's it folks. I hope you found those top 20 tips useful. Please subscribe to my channel. And this is where we share loads of property investing tips, serviced accommodation, HMOs, buy-to-lets, commercial conversions, and everything else that you could think of, all completely for free, no BS. We tell you exactly how it is. Thanks for watching. See you on the next video.